Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we are discussing The Other Side of Hope by the director that brought you The Lights in the Dusk and Le Havre. Um, that is Aki Kurismaki. Let me introduce a team that's going to help me here. It's Jenna. Hi. It's Jake. Hello. It's Sam. Hi. Oh, not the Sam you were expecting. No. Plot twist. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan and Alan style. The other Sam. The other Sam. The other side of Sam. <laughs> First time on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Pleasure. You alright? I'm great. How are you? I'm great too. Right, so before we get into the film, it's time for our pitches. So today's challenge is The Other Side of Hope starts with a man emerging from a pile of coal. Team, pitch a film that starts in the same way but goes off in a completely different direction, tackling different subject matter. I'm going to start with Jake. All right, so um, mine is joining... You know how every, every film needs to come out these days as part of like a bigger universe or franchise, mm -hmm. uh, linking together lots of things? Uh, Spider-Man seems to be at the centre of that, but no one's thought of the collaboration between Spider-Man and The Simpsons. Uh, and so, if we remember the start of Spider-Man 3, in which Thomas Hayden Church, a.k.a. Flint Marco, gets stuck in this kind of swirling dust bowl machine, uh, kind of like a pile of coal, uh, and then he gets stuck in there, and then all it starts flowing around and spinning, and he's stuck in there, and he turns into the Sandman, and he can control sand and earth and change his shape and all these things. Um, and so I wanted to combine that with uh, Dan Castellaneta's Hans Moleman from The Simpsons. And we begin the film with Hans Moleman getting stuck in a big pile of coal that mm. starts spinning and swirling. And suddenly Moleman becomes the superhero and he can move and transport the power of coal uh, uh, producing our film. Hans Coleman. Strong. There we are. I like it. Always with the pun, Jake. Yeah, I mean, there's no <laughs> other way. <laughs> Sam? Um, mine is based on a drag queen who gets fired from their job at a coal mine and gets evicted from their house and ends up having to move back home with their family. And so it's like a sweet 
hilarious tale where he opens up uh, covered in soot in his face and then at the end he's covered in makeup on a big stage, all happy. Oh, yeah. I thought about mm. the visuals, that's mm. nice. We could use, uh, and then go back and use the soot as an eyeshadow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Oh, Jay, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Any title or that's still a work in progress? It's a work in progress. So, I, Jenna? I may have um, heavily borrowed my storyline from a great 90s TV show called Goodnight Sweetheart. <laughs> I don't know if any of you remember that. Starring um, Rodney from <laughs> yeah, exactly. with Nicholas Lindhurst. That's him, yeah. yeah. So um, instead of like, there's a cupboard and he can go back to the 1940s or something like that, I'm going to do the same thing but with the coal cupboard, right? Because so everyone has a coal cupboard. <laughs> wow. No, this is the thing, Helen, right? Is it's just a, just a normal cupboard in this day and age. And then when he goes in, it turns into a coal cupboard. And then he walks out and it's like the 1920s. It turns into a coal cupboard. Yes, because it always used to be a coal cupboard. And he didn't know. He's unlocked it for the first time. What era are we in? Well, we've got present day and then we've got... 1920s. That's cold yeah. cupboard era. Yeah, that's cold cupboard era. And he's, you know, he's going to like have a new life in the 20s and now. And, you know, his baby is struggling in his current life. He doesn't have very much money, but in the 20s, the money he's got, wow, loads. And so he's living like a king. And does he want to go back in time? And what does that mean? You know? It's, a, it's like a bit about time meets life on Mars. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no one else shares a love for Good Night, like, Sweetheart, then? No? I've never seen it. Oh, guys, you are missing out. I just know he goes in a cupboard. <laughs> it's all on gold, don't worry. Right, my pitch is it starts with this young teen coming out of a coal mine. No, not a pile of coal, coming out of a pile of coal, and he's like, Mum, I'm going to be a chimney sweep. And the mum says, oh, All right, love don't forget your brushes and she hands him his brushes and then he goes off and then his dad drives around and is like you're only 11 it's too young to be a chimney sweep get back in the van son and he gets back in the van and then and that's it he's looking <laughs> he's looking at the tall tall chimneys and he's like i want to and everyone says you will never be a chimney sweep you'll never do this and then he sort of meets this sort of slightly alcoholic chimney sweep played by the chimney sweep in Mary Poppins right. mm. and he's like oh train me because you used to be a chimney sweep didn't you he's, no I never not anymore did I used to and then he's he comes around to it and then there's a competition between local I mean it's not like Eddie the Eagle but <laughs> it's it is Eddie the Eagle it's similar in a way <laughs> I suppose and then there's a competition in town because there's loads and loads of different chimney sweeps setting up things and they decide that they will decide who will be the best chimney sweep by the tallest, who can sweep the tallest chimney. And they say, you'll never do it! You'll never do it! And he says, I will do it. And he get, at the end he sort of gets in and he sweeps and he doesn't sweep it the best, but he does end as a chimney sweep. And it's called Peter the Phoenix. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, and I get like the the metaphor of the ashes and the coal mm. and yeah. the fire. Oh, it's good, Helen. Mm. I think it's great. Yeah, I, yeah. I love the, your passion and your yeah. commitment to telling that story as well. Mm. <laughs> I mean, can anyone but Helen win? No, I know I it's it's not usual for the host to win, but I think I think we'll allow it. In the yeah, it should be Helen. Good job. Well <laughs> she knew as soon as she started. <laughs> I saw her rubbing her hands together. Right, this one's mine. <laughs> I've heard everyone else's. <laughs> okay, let's get into the film. So The Other Side of Hope is directed by Aki Kurismaki and depicts, depicts the unlikely friendship between a, silly, a Syrian asylum seeker and an ageing Finnish restaurant owner. With its sharp humour, Hopper-esque vignette and timely critique of how countries welcome in um, quotation marks those seeking asylum it's no wonder Kurismaki won the Berlin Silver Bear for Best Director what did you think of the film? I really enjoyed it uh, it was tragic yet funny absurdly funny it's very similar to his other films so I enjoyed it yeah I think it's a it's a very kind film as well it's very loving um, it's a film about friendship and when you read the subject matter of it, if you don't know the who the director is, if you read what the topic is, you might be thinking you're in for a kind of a, a Lochian drama that's going to make you feel hatred for the world and the system. And this it will make you angry and frustrated, but at its core, it's more celebrating the goodness of people, I think. And that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, I really agree with you, Jake. <clears throat> I'd never seen one of his films before, and so I didn't really know what to expect at all. And at one point, I was like, am I actually watching the right film <laughs> from what I've been told about? But uh, yeah, it just was such a lovely look at kind of human nature, in even in the darkest of times, that light can be found. Thanks, Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought I was being really original. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so Sherwin Hadji, who plays the uh, lead character of Khaled, talks of having a lot of freedom on set and his decision, he says, not to act, but just to think about he would react in that situation. How did you think his performance was? And do you, like, I, listening to that interview, I certainly got a sense of that feeling and it seemed very, very natural. And um, the director is known for these very, like, poker-esque um deadpan performances and it was bang on yeah i agree um every character pretty much that you see with him is poker face it's deadpan you almost have no emotion and yet you still feel emotion um, one of my favorite scenes was the poker scene um where they're purposefully doing the poker faces i think there's certainly bits in this film that are treats for fans of his work so like to put in a poker scene when he's known for being that is kind of a wonderful little gift to people who know him and know his work yeah it's um i don't think it's not just there to be uh deadpan though and emotionless i think that it, that's in, that works as part of the plot as well and thematically particularly for Khaled, because he's been through so much on his journey to finland the fact that kind of nothing perturbs him anymore because he's just seen the worst of the migrant crisis is that every, he's going to face this this kind of futility of Finnish life um, with no emotion anymore because it's kind of been worn down. I think the characters in the film have all been worn down at this point. Mm -hmm. 
I think it allows you to feel the emotion of the um, migrant crisis even more. I think, you know, we're kind of bombarded on the news with, look how terrible this is, look how awful it is, look at all these people suffering, that you can sometimes just become numb to that. But seeing someone who's been through it become numb to it in his performance is really powerful to think, goodness, we're accepting this as just a part of everyday life for people and no one's doing anything. Mm. And he faces a lot of... Uh, bureaucracy as well when mm. he first arrives in the country and a lot of um, forms and interviews which like you were saying Jake goes along very well with this feeling of his journey and what he's been experiencing but as you said there's an awful lot of love in this film and uh, it's a very very kind portrayal of the refugee crisis and of people and of just people in general actually there's a lot of humanity in this film there's a lovely scene where he's asking um someone he meets oh can i borrow your phone and he's just like yeah of course you can like you don't need to ask and oh and is it okay if i make a call and would it be okay if i and the guy is just so lovely and so so kind to him um, and those little moments, you're, you're right, it's very important to point out that that does slightly break away from this deadpan style and it's not that it's without emotion. Yeah, I, there's a, one of the earlier scenes is the interview that he has mm. with the civil servant about his journey, like how did you get to Finland? And you think, first of all, he's kind of shot himself in the foot because he says that he arrived there by accident. Mm. Um, but then he gives the whole backstory and talks about his feelings since he's arrived there and the way that people have treated him and everything that he's faced on from Syria all the way to here with his who he started the journey with his sister uh, and then they got split up and he's still looking for her and that is all delivered in the same manner as any other scene and it's this extended long take uh, it's not not the easy option here would be to, to do a close-up and get him very emotive but it's still mid-frame, you still see the table and everything around him. Um, and it's quite cold and it feels even worse by the fact that he's having to deliver this short uh, recent history to just an empty, unhomely room to someone that he doesn't know when it must be hurting so much. For sure. I think it's also important to point out that this is a strong film whenever it came out even though it's very relevant now I think the way that it's been told and the storytelling and this unlikely friendship that forms it's going to be a good film forever and hopefully when the refugee crisis is not so strong in our minds it's it's still going to hold which I think is important because I think especially when there's crisis is going on or things that are particularly pointed out by the media it can kind of it can get a bit wearing if you hear about oh it's another film about this or that and it can seem like it maybe it's coming out you know to chime in with whatever's going on in the world and it does do a very good portrayal and it does a lot of good points about that story but it's a good film mm. yeah uh, it doesn't feel like it will be dated no uh, it's not like well, well it's very it's sort of very old in its style yeah yeah yeah, <coughs> yeah it's um it's kind of feels like late 60s early 70s yeah. with how it's been shot the composition of it um it's even got b-movie stylings in the performances because there, there are non-actors there that kind of maybe don't know when a scene is starting or ending um but that's part of it um like i'm watching 
Twin Peaks, new Twin Peaks at the moment, and that's that's a Lynch thing that a scene will go on a bit longer than you expect. And we're used to cross-cutting in a film, for instance, like when someone just walks to the edge of frame as mm. if they're walking out, you'll then cut to the next shot where they've where they're walking through it again, and so you get that rhythm. But this this film will allow people to begin a scene, walk out of it, finish it before the next one starts. Mm. It's not constantly moving. It allows each scene to have its own life and its own breath, and it's for you to take in. And that's what I really love about it. Um, like particularly the poker scene like that is very drawn out but not in that it feels like it's languid it's very enjoyable for the whole time of it because it goes beyond the point of being long to just kind of bringing in every detail and just really relishing in it I really agree and it particularly struck me that there's no there's no music in that scene Mm. and there is music throughout the film, which actually I wanted to talk to you guys about, but there's also points where it's used very sparingly and it's never used um, to kind of overlay something that it's like, oh, just put some music on that, yeah. just sort of jazz it off a bit, yeah, or, like, which is great. Mm, like, Well, the scene that I was saying earlier about being in the in the civil service booth mm. talking about his journey, yeah. like that, that's <coughs> prime kind that's, of overbearing strings territory. That <laughs> is... Ludovico and yeah. Audi all over it <laughs> and I love him <laughs> but yeah um, what did you think about because there's a certain I think every I might be wrong here but I think almost every use of music you see its source within mm. the film mm. uh, what do you think about that I really loved the music I think that it really added to that whole um, kind of 50s, 60s, 70s ambience of the film, this kind of otherworldly feeling that it had. Um, especially really loved that they um, printed the lyrics of the songs that were being sung in English on the bottom of the screen along mm. with the subtitles so you could get a real sense of of what that meant within the context of it. Mm. Really loved it. Yeah, um, like there's a really good uh, just straight rock and roll track that's just like, I play or I die. <laughs> which, um, which is really lovely, and that reminded me of um, the oh, sorry, there's Songhai Blue, Songhoi Blues, which is a, a band that kind of got exiled for playing Western uh, music in Africa, and but they just carried on playing their kind of African influenced American blues, and I love that that idea that even though these these Finnish guys in this band they don't they won't die if they stop playing, but <laughs> like for Khaled. Like if he's if he he will like if mm. he stops playing this mm. this game of trying to seek refuge and the, he will get sent back and he there is a very good chance like the rest of his family we're told he's gonna die. Mm. There's the way the music is used. There's great juxtapositions. I think one of the first buskers is when he's just arrived in the country and he's sitting in a coffee shop and just the outside is this busker saying like what a wonderful evening he's gonna yeah. have and like they're gonna make love and like this this love song and he's just sitting alone in mm. this country that he doesn't know he needs to go and try and find uh, and seek asylum in the police office like it's very good juxtapositions there and it is that deadpan razor edge humor that is used really well and i think Khaled's relationship with the busker at the very beginning really gives us an insight into Khaled as a person mm. because he's gone through so much and the, the kind of one of the first things that he goes past in the country is a guy playing music. Mm. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And even though he has got nothing, he still gives him money? Yeah. Which is... I think that kind of sums up a lot about the film as well. That idea of just finding something, some pleasure, some kindness, something that you like or love or enjoy and just wanting to reward it as well. Yeah, and holding on to those moments when you don't you don't have a lot of stuff but you've got a couple of moments thrown mm. together and like that's going to get you through the day. Mm. Yeah, that's something that's really lovely that's picked up on. And again, it, like I I was totally on his side. I think in this kind of story we're kind of used to the antagonist being part of the system. Um and it's great that this film actually anyone that's that is kind of more evil and does things that are horrible as kind of this kind of coming out of nowhere situation or just part of the the culture and there's a gang that in mm. particular that and he's subject to quite a lot of abuse throughout the film yeah um I, i'll go back to mention ken loach earlier who would um we could imagine doing a film based on similar topics quite easily um and i'm reminded of i daniel blake and issue that i had with that is the um, villainization of the workforce in mm-hmm. the in the job center, um, and I don't think he quite got that this is their this is their job as much as it is anyone else's. That's a really key point. And I don't think this film does, reserves judgment on the workers there, and they become characters in themselves, and they become likable characters. The people that are working within the system—they're uh, really likable characters, yeah. and it's a very neutral portrayal of them as mm. well, which is very um, mature filmmaking, mm. and obviously something that's had a lot of thought behind it. I think that's also got something to do with the fact that he, as a character, doesn't see the bad in people. Like in some ways, mm. he doesn't let you know when he gets attacked by gangs or or anything like that on the street he doesn't let that affect him as he carries on he sort of lets it go away and so that when he's meeting with the civil servants we kind of get his point of view of them and he doesn't see them as bad people he is looking to find the good all the time in his situation so I think that's why it always seems like a, a positive film and no one seems nasty because he's not letting himself be a victim yeah. to any of them. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, he's so hopeful about everything. We're almost seeing it through his yeah. perspective. I think there's also a numbness to it. He's just become so numb to mm. the violence that getting abused so regularly is actually not a big deal to him. Mm. Yeah, there, there is one kind of little explosion of violence, which I imagine, which is, although it's quite small compared to other films, which is his breaking point where he just says, do you want to fight? And that, that's <laughs> yeah. it. 
um, and oh, it's it's one punch each, <laughs> and that's that's your kind of big climactic blockbuster moment. <laughs> but um, it's quite a polite offer of a fight as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, would that help you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, the guy who he has this unlikely friendship with, um, which is v- Vistrom, yeah. um, played by. His uh, Sakari Q as Manon. Um, what did you think of him and his uh, attempts to set up a business? Well, <laughs> we didn't meet him uh, in context to Khaled for so long yeah. as well, which is what I really, really liked about this. Is because I was, you know, from the trailer and posters and things that, and how the film's been sold, that that's going to be where that's the meeting point of the film. But it takes, I think, is it about an hour? But I really enjoyed both sides of that and the ultimate coming together. It's a lovely payoff. <laughs> I love that restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> there were moments of Grand Budapest Hotel for yeah. me in that. Yeah, definitely. The yeah. doorman. Yeah. yeah. And and bits where they sort of have to hide him and the dog in the cupboard. And yeah. <laughs> when he goes and pulls out the plug of the Hoover in the cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you realise the Hoover's still yeah. on during the inspection. <laughs> Because yeah, we meet w- Wilstrom, just is it when he's leaving his wife? Is yeah, who's, who's sitting next to a spiky character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loved that scene yeah. so Me much. Me too. <laughs> and sort of puts the wedding ring in yeah. with the pile of, of chain smoked cigarettes. <laughs> but, and that's done without, like, that is one of a number of scenes that are done completely in silence and we know exactly what's going on. There's not a lot of dialogue yeah, really in the film. not at all, especially the first 10 minutes. Mm. It's really quiet, mm. um, which is, it is that kind of feeling of like, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, you can see what's happening, it is what it is. But as a as a piece of uni- universal storytelling, which Corus Mackey will want this to be, he will want, like, it's very accessible and part of that is not kind of dominating the language of it that it is told through uh, bodies and faces and eyes and movement and everyone can relate to that and that's really key for it and I think that will be part of its success. And a lot of there's a lot of humour in uh, visual gags as well. Okay, yeah, there's one visual, <laughs> there is a sight gag which is my favourite bit of the whole film and like that might be reductive <laughs> for the whole film but there's a bit with a guy cleaning a window I love yeah. that. Yeah. I have to go back and rewatch yeah. it. Just like, Did I just yeah. watch that? <laughs> yeah. Like you have to be on the ball. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you'll know it when you see it. Yeah. But yeah. I, the fact that we all had to go back and rewatch it to check that it did happen is so good. And there's uh, so many little that I'm actually I'm sure I'm I have missed little yeah. moments within it that are hilarious as well, which makes sort of watching it for the second time, third time, it's going to be really great. Um, so uh, Wilkstrom is uh, he's trying to sell his shirts uh, he packs them up in the back of his car when him and his wife um, break up and uh, then he plays this poker game that we've talked about he gets pretty lucky and uh, which I liked compared to Carla's journey I, I don't think he is lucky do you not? No, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that's part of his character that he is a genuine like poker master, but, uh, he's it's some kind of reluctant superpower, and that he's afraid of it. And like, like once every ten years, it'd be like, right, it's time. And so that's how he stockpiled all of the shirts for his shirts <laughs> business. Went and played poker, won a load of money, bought all the shirts. Right, I'll do the shirts for a few years, 
then I go play poker again and now I'll start a restaurant. That's a great superpower that we haven't yeah. seen told through film yet. <laughs> Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, so then he he wants to buy this restaurant. I think it's called the Golden Pint. Yep. Mmm, tasty. Yeah. Oh, the, the estate agent yeah. is such a good character. There's so many great little moments like that. Um uh, which then becomes a sushi restaurant. Yeah. So good. The, <laughs> the um, what is it? Salted herring or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the scoops herring. of wasabi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's no kind of faulty towers um, ending to that scene <laughs> as well. It's just like they do this horrible sushi night and make the worst looking meals. And uh, everyone just leaves, and there's Everyone's no happy. Th- there's no big complaint or anything. <laughs> and then they go back to being the golden pine again. <laughs> I like how after that scene at the end, he's just like, "Okay, you can go home." Yeah, I'll clean up. <laughs> yeah, and then they just all they all just like, okay, yeah, I'll go like, home. yeah, that didn't quite that didn't quite work, did it? <laughs> Um, we probably there's a couple of bits um, in the third act stuff that we probably want to talk about now so that's going to be in what we call spoiler territory Um, but do check out this film uh, The Other Side of Hope it's uh, if whether you know his work or not there's going to be things for you to really enjoy in this um. yeah and it's it's not just on cinemas it's home cinema today uh, from today as well so if you can't make it to a cinema that's showing it curzonhomecinema.com it's on there instantly you can watch it straight away beautiful stuff spoiler territory so there's this kind of other storyline that's going along with his sister um, which uh, Wilkstrom is kind of fundamental in bringing to a resolution um, it, that scene it sort of becomes quite dark and she herself it's interesting because we've really warmed up to those characters mm-hmm. um, by this point in the film it's really late on and there's been these great moments with the restaurant and and you're kind of expecting this great reunion moment mm. she's she's been hidden under the back of a lorry they open up the thing and you're kind of expecting this oh, mm. and then she's just as numb as he is yeah. it, in right at the beginning and it's just as cold uh, which I thought was exquisite. Yeah, um, yeah, because we're so expecting it to be this wonderful Hollywood moment of rejoice and like being safe, um, but she is just not like distraught is almost too much. Mm-hmm. Like because I think they've gone, they've both gone beyond that now. But like credit to the film for never having to show us that. I mean, there are clip like news footage of Syria. That seems so powerful Mm. when he's just been told that he can't have asylum and he has to go back to Aleppo because it's safe and they go back and all the TV screens are just showing how unsafe Aleppo Mm. is and the kind of cruel... um, They had the cruelty of your news outlets telling everyone how dreadful it is and then your government telling people it's safe to go back there. Mm. Yeah, really beautiful, really powerful. And no one needs to say anything. Uh, What do you think that... Is there a kind of an indication as well that the sisters had some abuse on the journey with the with the lorry driver? Because he says that was a beautiful load. I don't need any payment. And then she she looks at him, and I kind of didn't know whether she had been raped. All oh, right, I know. I didn't spot that, but there was just this sort of edge of it underneath that he because he says how much is it and then it sort of comes up which is really kind of sickening Mm. but also a very powerful way of doing it because it focuses on her face there's like a lot of strength in that face and like anger and kind of like 
it's it's a very strong moment but like we were saying there's so many moments in that film that you can just miss quite mm. easily yeah. um that's why you need to rewatch it yeah yeah it's very very powerful um and then the very very end um we see uh Khaled um he's be these this fascist group has been, been sort of chasing him or keep coming up to him throughout parts in the film and then um seemingly out of the blue to him um he then gets stabbed mm. I wasn't expecting that. I really mm. liked how they did it as well. Just very simple, like showing the knife, yeah. showing it coming out, and then one move, mm. and then it, that was it. Yeah, I think it would be it would betray the film to have this moment of violence be gratuitous in any way. Mm. Um, but and what do we get? Three drops of blood. Yeah. On the floor. Yeah. And that's it. Um, and following the trail, and then we kind of end up with him with the dog as well mm. as well um lying by the tree looking at the port um and i don't know where that ends i'd like to think it, is he gonna be all right yeah um i'd like to think he would be but i think i think it's quite nice that he's looking at the port in yeah. some way um because it's actually like it's quite an ugly thing that like it's not like a i don't know like an old english port mm. like um i don't know chatham or something that's got a lot of history to it. it is just these kind of brutal steel structures and cranes but in those final moments it actually looks quite lovely and you kind of see the refuge the kind of the way that he would have perceived it as a place of refuge mm. totally and it is that thing again about him seeing so much good in things mm. um and also obviously just before he's he's by the tree he he keeps the promise to meet his sister and doesn't tell her that he's been stabbed, mm. um, which I thought was really amazing and kind of just showed that he knows that she's been through as much pain as him, so it's not going to help her. Yeah, and the fact that... So one thing that I'd, I would like to mention is that both him and his sister tell go straight to the police and say that they're t seeking asylum mm. and i think we do have this kind of mistaken identity and through uh the media that we watch we have this idea of people of asylum seekers just sneaking in and running away across the hills of dover or something and sneaking into things and like this is not that at all these are like they've sought uh, emergency transport in any way that they can get it to get out of a war zone but when they get there, when they um, they do say like, like we've got here because like this is a last resort for us. Mm -hmm. Can you help us? Mm. That's what they're asking, rather than like this idea that they're coming to steal. Is very good point. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think one of the things that always gets brought up is oh well, you should be seeking asylum in the first country that you get to, um, and obviously Finland isn't the first country he gets to. And when he's talking to the civil servant about it, she asks him, "Did you seek asylum anywhere else?" He says, "No," and and it's it's um, clear from why why he says he hasn't sought it is because he needed that freedom of movement to try and find a sister to try and reach proper safety and get somewhere it wasn't that he was trying to cheat a system mm. or anything like that you know there's genuine reasons for and he wasn't meaning to end up in Finland that wasn't his end goal but that was the first place he found that was safe mm. I think that's really important any final comments 
I think um, it's also important with the community aspect. Like mm. one of the first things that someone says to him is, "Are you sure you want to go to the police?" Like we we want to help you almost. Yeah. And everyone outside of that system does want to help him, and it's the similar in uh, Le Havre as well. Um, people want to help. All the community come together. And Aki Karazmaki does this great job of bringing the community together and friendship and things like that. Yeah, you're right. It's wonderful stuff. Um, so that's available on Curzon Home Cinema today. Other films that are also available on Curzon Home Cinema include A Monster Calls, which is another film about hope, but told in a very, very different story, a different way. Um, it's based on the novel by uh, Patrick Ness and tells the story of a young boy who escapes into a fantasy world when his mother becomes sick uh but guess what the fantasy world and the real world are related in his <laughs> mind metaphors are plenty <laughs> <laughs> um i want to recommend a film that was out in the cinemas at a similar time to a monster calls i think um jackie we did a podcast on it uh with lovely natalie portman playing jackie o really brilliant and it's out on curzon home cinema on monday it's just a very interesting um sort of the character study on her and the few sort of days weeks after the assassination of JFK and I think it's that that's a historical moment we can all sort of pick in our minds and it's look at it it's interesting to look at it from another point of view Tony Erdman also out on Monday um, so this is the two and a half hour long German comedy drama which was the the toast of Cannes last year um, which is going on right now of course and this is, again, we had uh, a podcast on it in January with Peter Simonishek, who played Tony Erdman, who came onto the show and spoke to us about it. Uh, it's quite, it's a unique film, to say the least. Uh, it's filled with the most remarkable scenes, uh, a party going bizarrely wrong, not involving many items of clothing, uh, is one of the standout scenes of film last year as a whole uh, so do make sure you check that out that's on Monday I want to recommend Ariel, it's an early Aki Karismaki film um, and it's about uh, this guy called Taisto who loses his job and uh, kind of goes on a journey to Helsinki with like nothing essentially and loses everything that he did have um, and it's very funny kind of gets uh, arrested and things like that and I don't want to spoil anything but it is very fast-paced and funny, and I think if you like The Other Side of Hope, you'll really like Ariel. Brilliant. If you are listening to this on Friday, then tomorrow the Bechdel Test Fest presents Ginger and Rosa at All Gate Curzon Cinema. Um, also, Zoe Ashton from Fresh Meat will be there uh, presenting a short film that she is in called Little Soldier. Um, that is the twi- Saturday the 27th of May and oh maybe there will be a little gift or merchandise thing you might be able to buy one of us maybe made yes there might be something made by one of us there really really (laughs) joke (laughs) (laughs) so be sure to check that out on what promises to be a scorcher of a weekend thank you for listening and thank you to my good friends here in the studio it's goodbye from me goodbye from jenna bye goodbye from jake bye and goodbye from sam bye
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.